Today's gospel text is eight verses, but one of them, John 3.16, is one of the best known or most familiar and easily recognized verses in scripture. It's one that shows up on car decals and signs at football games. Given its prominence in Christianity and in culture, I invite you to listen to this passage as if you have never heard it before and see if you hear anything new today. The Holy Gospel according to John, the third chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light, so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. John begins with a reference to the Old Testament story from Numbers that we just heard before the Gospel. But in contrast to John 3.16, it's one of the lesser known stories of the Bible. Whining like children who open a full pantry and say, there isn't anything to eat. The Israelites were grumbling and griping about the divine gift of manna that they had been given by God to sustain them and nourish them in the desert. But instead of calling the people to God and telling them, I have heard your murmuring, as he had in Exodus 16. This time, God responds by setting loose serpents in their midst. It wasn't their complaints that vexed God. It was their disregard for God's gifts and the care that God had provided. Even so, it is hard for me to hear how God apparently had gotten fed up with their whining. I don't know how to reconcile my understanding of who God is, one who loves God's people unconditionally, 
with a God who swore never to destroy the earth again, but apparently was okay with making it more deadly or lethal? Maybe you've asked that same question. I am comforted that the story doesn't end with the vipers biting people and poisoning them with stinging venom or with the deaths that resulted from the serpent's attacks. Because when the people turned to Moses and confessed they had offended the Lord, Moses went to God, and God instructed him to make a figure of a viper and place it on a pole or a standard and tell the people who were bitten to look up to the viper and be healed. So when one cried out, ouch! One of those poisonous serpents just bit me. The response from God was not, how could you be so stupid to let one of them bite you? Instead, God offers healing and says, let me help you. Look at the serpent on the pole and be healed. I think it's important that God doesn't respond by killing off all the serpents or telling God's people to barricade themselves or hide away from the vipers. The people have to live in the world as it is. Our sin, the ways we turn in on ourselves and disregard God, have consequences. We face judgment and even death when we turn away from God and focus on ourselves. And we must confront our sin. We must confess and name the ways we participate in evil and perpetuate injustice. The good news is that while God doesn't magically erase what we have done or the evil it has unleashed, God does make a way forward for us to find forgiveness and healing. God leads us out of the way of death and into the way of life. Again and again, God transforms the things that bring death and kill us and brings healing and life. The venomous serpent becomes a life-giving sign for God's people. The cross an instrument of execution under the Roman emperor becomes the open arms of God, welcoming all to know God. In Jesus, God comes among us that we will know salvation and the way of abundant life through him. The life God offers isn't about fire insurance against damnation or even about a heavenly, never-ending life. It is about being invited into the same relationship of mutual love and self-giving that we witness in Jesus' own relationship with the Father. In John's Gospel, the way to the Father comes through the crucifixion, the resurrection, and the ascension. It takes all of these pieces, 
not just the ones that are joyful and the ones that are promise-filled, but the ones that bear agony and pain too. Sometimes we go to great lengths to avoid looking at the things that bring death or kill. And we cannot imagine new possibilities. All we can see is the death in front of us. But John shows us that they are all parts of a whole where God invites us to participate, to look up and see the transformation God is bringing. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, thank you for your son Jesus who was lifted up on the cross to die and lifted up in the ascension to be with you. Thank you for loving us and giving life to all who turn to him in faith. Give us courage to confess and name our sin and brokenness that we may be transformed by the gift of your love. Amen.